Hey everybody, and welcome to The Collective Podcast. My name's Josiah, and I'm one of our leaders here. Our prayer is that you find this next conversation meaningful and helpful in your relationship with God, no matter where you're at right now. If you're a young adult in the greater Akron area, and you're looking to find community, or just trying to learn more about God and Christianity, I'd want to personally invite you out to Collective. We meet at Grace Church Bath Campus every Thursday night at 7 o'clock. And if you want more info, you can find it on our Instagram, GCM underscore Collective. Now let's jump into our conversation. Nice, nice. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, what's up? Uh, Like I said before, uh, my name is Josiah, and I'm glad you're here. We've been in a series called Closer, and I've been loving this series because this series is all about uh, practical ways that we can become closer to God and we can build our relationship with God. Um, And I'm really excited about how we're going to kind of be ending the series for the next couple weeks. Um, Today, we're going to talk about perhaps the most misunderstood means of becoming close to God. Maybe the most misunderstood, some people call it spiritual habits or or disciplines. Um, And that misunderstood habit is prayer. Prayer. I think prayer is one of the most misunderstood things. If you've been around church or if you've been around Christianity, or maybe you've just been investigating God and, and trying to figure that kind of stuff out, you've probably heard somebody say something along the lines of, um, hey, if you want to be closer to God, you have to pray more, right? You've probably heard people say that. Uh, prayer is just talking to God. It's just like a conversation. It's not religion. It's a relationship. And so I just need to get my time with God and I just need to talk to him. Uh, but, but it feels feels like oftentimes a lot of people, they, they don't say the quiet part out loud. They don't say the quiet part out loud. And here's the quiet part. Uh, prayer can really be a big struggle bus. It can be a big old struggle bus that we're just all riding on with Miss Frizzle taking us into the immune system, right? It can be, a, it can be quite the struggle bus. Here's some things that I've wrestled with and, and when it comes to prayer. Maybe you have too. Maybe you can relate to this. Where when you pray, you don't know exactly what to say. And you don't know how to pray. And you don't know the, the right vocabulary, the right lingo, or what to talk about or what not to talk about. So you try and get all the right things. But at the end, it feels formulaic and it feels insincere and it feels very religious. Um, maybe when you pray, it feels like no one's listening. Um, and it feels like God is distant and I'm just kind of talking into clouds or I'm just kind of talking in the bedroom or whatever it is. Um, and, and, and nothing's happening. Maybe when you pray, it feels like nothing is happening. It pray, like, God, I've asked you for this thing. I've asked you for that thing. I've asked you for help with this, help for that. I'm coming to you, God, but the things I'm talking to you, none of them show up in my life. What, what's the point of all this? Are you even listening? What's going on? Here's a big one. Here's a big one. Maybe when you pray, you feel unworthy. You feel unworthy. You feel, you know all the ways that you've messed up. You know all the different mistakes that you've made uh, and all those trials and all those sins. And so when you come to God, it just feels like a big old guilt trip. It feels like I got so much going on in my life. I got so many problems. I got so many issues. Surely God doesn't want to talk to a broken person like me. And when you talk to him, it's just list after list of the things that you've done wrong. It's a big old guilt trip. And so, so many of us feel like prayer is formulaic or it's meant to make us feel bad about ourselves or it feels inauthentic, insincere, just very religious. And so we kind of put it to the side. If you feel like that, or if you've ever felt like that, I just need to let you know uh, that most of us in this room feel that way. 
right? If, you, if you've ever felt like that before, um, just know that you're not alone at all. If you've been a Christian for a very long time and you think, man, I should be so past this by now. I should be, uh, you know, saying these crazy prayers that call down, I don't know, thunder from heaven and Thor might come too with that Led Zeppelin song. Like you should be doing these like big almighty prayers, it, and, but you feel like you're not there. It's okay. It's okay, you're not alone. Uh, if, if you used to feel close to God at one season in your life, but you feel like you've maybe wandered away or you've gotten far and you don't know how to get back to that season, you're not alone. If you're investigating Jesus or trying to discover your relationship with Jesus and you tried talking and you tried praying and it doesn't feel like it's working, there's nothing wrong with you. You are not alone out, uh, at all. Let's just say the quiet part out loud. The struggle bus is most of us in this room. And every time somebody says, you want to be closer to God, you know what you need to do, you need to pray, you kind of clench up or you, I don't know, you get, get, get kind of real tight or you want to punch somebody in the face, I don't know what you want to do. I, I tend to do the more aggressive routes, but some of you are more passive than I am. No, no matter what, um, it, you, you just clench up because you know that's not going to happen. Um, my, this, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about my, my cousin, my cousin Knox. My cousin Knox, uh, he's a couple years younger than me. Some of you have met him. He lives in Florida, but he comes around. He's about yay high. Um, he has so much self-confidence. Um, he's always taking his shirt off. And he doesn't have like the kind of body that, you know, you'd want to be taking your shirt off for. But he's always taking his shirt off at my wedding. He just like, at my wedding, my actual wedding, he just ripped his shirt. I'm not kidding. So th- this is Knox. Uh, Knox loves arguing with people. Like he loves, I've seen this man literally yell at old ladies. I am not kidding. That is, that is this guy. Um, he's my cousin. I love him so much. He comes here all the time. And this past Christmas, he was here visiting and he was telling me the story of, uh, he was telling me the story of in Florida, he needed to buy a mask, you know, as you need to do. If you want to go into establishment, you usually need to have a mask. And so, uh, but he didn't own a mask. He didn't have a mask at all. I think this was more at the beginning of COVID. And so he went to this gas station to buy a mask and he walked in to buy this mask. And uh, the lady said, there was this long line, he's waiting in the back. And the lady's like, hey, you, sir, hey, you can't be in here without a mask. And he's like, uh, ma'am, I, I'm, I'm trying to buy a mask. And she says, hey, wait, 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 you can't be in here without a mask. And you, if you met the, my cousin Knox, he's just, he just would love to verbally attack you. So this is kind of, we've been trying to get him to stop doing this, but finally he had the perfect opportunity. And so he, he's charging up. He's like, how am I supposed to wear a mask when I don't own a mask? And the lady's like, hey, hey, you can't be in here. You, this is all like across the line. And he's like, I don't have a mask. And she's like, hey, you can't be in here without a mask. And he's like, lady, you seem to possess some form of intelligence here. Some form, I don't know. I, I, at least you're standing. So you can think a little bit, at least. How am I supposed to wear a mask in the store when I don't own a mask? And she goes, well, you got to buy one. He's like, okay, let's reason with me here. How am I supposed to buy a mask if you're not going to let me buy a mask? She's like, well, if you're going to be in this store, you have to buy a mask. He's like, that's exactly my point. I don't own a mask. And they're going back and forth. Eventually he says, hey, can I speak to the manager? The manager comes out, kind of laughs at his apparently incredibly stupid employee and, and lets him buy the mask. I, and so we was telling that story and I was laughing. But, but I think that's how many of us feel about prayer, actually. I think that's how many of us feel about prayer. Where we know in our, in our heads, people have told us, hey, if you want to be close to God, you need to pray more. You need to talk to him. And you're like, okay, I'm going to try pray more. And you try praying. 
and it doesn't work, and you say, uh, hey, I don't know why my prayers don't feel like they're working. They're like, well, if you want to pray good, you really got to be close to God. And you're like, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> That's why I was trying to pray. And you're going, the mask, how am I supposed to have a mask if I don't have a mask? How am I supposed to be close to God if I have to be close to God? That's the struggle bus we are all riding. So to finish out our series closer, I wanted to dedicate this week and next week to talk about the, the concept of prayer. And, and today specifically, we're going to talk about reapproaching prayer. Is there another way that we can come into prayer that might give us different results. Maybe something that is more meaningful, maybe something that's more helpful, maybe something that's more authentic. And there's actually a chapter of the Bible where Jesus himself, who prayed constantly all throughout the Bible. um, Last week we talked about how Jesus, when he was a human being, uh, or, or when he was here on earth, he, he didn't use means that we don't have to get closer to God. Uh, his relationship with God, we have access to all these things. So he would spend time studying the Bible or he would spend time in prayer and he would spend, that's how he got close to God, the same things that we could do. And the number one thing that we see in the Bible that Jesus did to be close to God was praying. Jesus was a big, big prayer advocate, but he noticed that his disciples and the people that were following him and the religious leaders of the day they were riding our struggle bus. They had the exact same problem. They didn't know how to pray. Um, And Jesus says, in essence, he says, I see your struggle. Jesus is a perfect empathizer. He says, I see your struggle. I really understand your struggle. And I really feel for you. But the struggle comes not from prayer, but from the way we misdefine prayer right? The, the struggle doesn't come from prayer itself, the concept. The struggle comes from our misinterpretations of what prayer is. And so there's a chapter of the Bible, Matthew chapter six. If you have your Bible, if you want to look it up on your phone, we're going to start in verse five, where Jesus kind of teaches people what prayer is not. He's going to teach people two things that prayer is not. And then he's going to give one big, long example of what prayer is is. Before we jump into that passage, though, there's something that you need to know, okay? There's something that you need to know. If you write stuff down, here's a good thing to write down, because if you're going to understand this conversation, you have to understand what Jesus believed about prayer. Jesus believed that the purpose of prayer is to be close to God. I'll say that again. Jesus believed that the purpose of prayer is to be close to God. And you might say, I already know that. Although Jesus knew the purpose of prayer is to be close with God, Jesus also knew that humanity has this amazing, amazing little mechanism in us. <laughs> humanity has a tendency to turn meaningful habits into impersonal obligations, right? Humanity has this way of taking things that are meaningful and, and, and at one point meant something and to turn them into these duties and this religious. Um, and so Jesus knows that humanity has this tendency to take prayer rip the heart out of it, and then just give you what's left and tell you if you want to be close to God, you have to do that. And so he's going to give us a little teaching on how to avoid ripping the heart out of prayer and how to engage it the right way. Matthew chapter six, starting in verse five, we're just going to kind of go through this section at a time. Let me read this for us. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, those guys, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret 
will reward you. Here's the first point. Here's the very first point. Prayer is not proof of your devotion. Prayer is not proof of your devotion. Jesus lived in a very religious uh, Jewish culture. And in Jesus's culture, his Jewish culture, your social standing was largely determined by your religious devotion, right? So how good you were at following the laws in the Bible, how religious you seemed to be. Um, and so it was very important to people who wanted to be of high standing, who wanted to make, you know, be one of the top guys, um, to be regarded as a religiously devout person. And so one of the ways you could potentially be regarded as as religiously devout is you could go into the synagogues, which is like the church service, or you could go out on the street corners where there's a lot of people and you could pray and you could give these big, long, you know, Blabanon kind of prayers. And hopefully everybody walking by and everyone listening to you would think, man, that guy, that guy's, that guy's really good at praying. That guy's really good. I think he's going to summon God today. That guy's really amazing at what he does. And, and, and that was all in the hope that people would respect you more and that people will give you a high standing. But, but Jesus calls these people hypocrites. He calls these people hypocrites. And, and Jesus, if you read the stories of Jesus, Jesus is not a mean guy. He's not a guilt trip guy. I, I really don't think he's trying to be mean, but I do think he is trying to be straightforward. I think he's trying to shoot straight. Um, and, and so let's think about it. Why would they be hypocrites? Jesus believes that the purpose of prayer is to be close to God, right? We said that. So what Jesus is saying here is, if you're using prayer to be seen by others, if you're using prayer to be seen by others to make your way forward, you're leveraging your relationship with God to try and earn something else entirely. If you're trying to be seen by others, you're leveraging your relationship with God to earn something else entirely. What you really want is respect of other people. What you really want is maybe to be seen as more mature, right? Or, or a better person or an upright person. What you really want, maybe you just want to feel self-confident, you know? You know, like I got this whole thing under control. You, you know, you're trying to feel good about yourself. But here's the irony of it. Here's, here's the problem. It's a catch-22. Because when you pray to be seen by others, you're forfeiting your closeness to God by sh- trying to show people how close to God you are. See the problem here? You're you're leveraging, you're giving up your closeness to God by trying to show people how close to God you are. So the very thing you're trying to flex, you you don't even have. And, And so when Jesus says, he says, when you pray, don't be like them. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. Jesus isn't saying, I'm going to punish you for praying wrong. Oh man, you idiot, you arrogant moron. I'm going to punish you really for that. Jesus is not saying that at all. He's saying they have received the reward in full. What he's saying is, he's saying, look, uh, you've received your reward. You, You got what you came for. You're praying to be seen by others. And now you're seen by others. Good job. You've received your reward in full. Everything you came for, you've already gotten. And so Jesus is saying, when you pray like this, when you, when you pray to try and make your way forward to prove your devotion, don't expect uh, to be closer to God through those prayers because you're not even praying to be close to God. You're praying to prove your devotion. So, so the first warning in Jesus' teaching is, is very obvious. It's very obvious. He, he's saying, don't use public prayer. Don't use your prayer to prove your devotion to others or try and impress people with your spirituality. Ladies, um, you're probably smarter than me. You've probably already figured this out, but I've observed this uh, recently. Um, so we do this thing at the end of Collective where we have to tear down half the chairs to like set that stuff up back there. And so at the very end, 
you know, ev- the part everybody dreads is putting the chairs back. I've noticed this amazing thing. Um, ladies, if you guys stick around, we have a lot of manpower to put the chairs back. However, <laughs> if you take off, it might just be me, me, Brad, and Moose, and maybe John or so, right? So, so here's the point. You probably picked this up. I've just noticed this lately. When you see somebody, this is for everybody, when you see somebody being all spiritual and doing the right thing and doing, and doing this incredible thing, I wouldn't be super impressed. What you really want to do is you want to walk in on somebody doing something good. You want to walk in on somebody doing the right thing. And what Jesus is saying is your spirituality isn't proven by what you do in public. Your spirituality is proven by what you do in private. But there's a second application here too. There's a second application. In our culture today, you usually don't gain social standing by giving um, these long, you know, amazing prayers. Uh, it really, that's only in religious circles. Um, I believe that many of us in this room, while we might not use prayer to prove our devotion to others, we do use prayer to prove devotion to ourselves. I believe that many of us in this room, while we don't try and use prayer to prove our devotion to others, we do try and use it to prove devotion to ourselves. And here's what I mean. Many of us have been told, we talked about this, that if, if you're a good person, if you're a moral person, if you're a godly person, if you're an upright person, that those types of people pray. And so if you want to be one of those good Christians, if you want to be one of those good people, if you want to be connected to God, you need to pray. And so we, we might ask forgiveness of sin. Um, God, I'm so sorry I lied today. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. God, I'm so sorry I looked at uh, pornography today. Um, Man, I'll never do that again. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. God, I'm so sorry about last night at the party. You know, they were going, I just went with them. I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. We might know how to ask things from God. God, would you help me with this promotion? Would you help me pass this exam? Would you help me find more friends? Would you help me find the one for me? You know, we know how to ask God for things. Um, and, And we might even know to say, thank you, God. Thanks for this food. Thanks for my family. Thanks for all the ways you've blessed me. But the reason we come to God is not because we want to be close to God. The reason we come to God is because we know that that's what a good devoted person is supposed to do. You get what I'm saying? We're trying to prove to ourselves that we are good people, that we are moral people, that we are forgiven for sins, that we will go to heaven, that we are close to God. But here's the problem. Jesus's words, they still apply to us. Jesus's words, they still apply to us. Jesus says, truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. You you didn't come to God to turn around from your sins. You didn't come to God. You came to God so that you wouldn't be punished for your sins. You, You didn't come to be close to God. You came for you. You didn't come to ask God what he wants from your life, what direction you should go, what path you should take. You came to God because you know that God has the power to give you stuff to bless you, to make sure that your life goes in a good direction. You didn't come to God to thank him because you're so thankful for all the ways that he's blessed you and looked out for your life. You came to God because you're afraid that if you don't say thank you, he won't bless you the next time. We didn't come to be close to God. We came to prove to ourselves that we are devoted to him. But here's the problem. Prayer is not proof of your devotion. 
There are so many people who pray all the time whose hearts are so far from God. I'm serious. There are people who pray whose hearts are so far from God. We, we see in the news all the time, all, all these big religious leaders fall. They get caught in a sex scandal. They do something terrible with money, whatever it is. And we're like, oh my gosh, how on earth could they? Well, prayer is not proof of your devotion. Some of the biggest hypocrites I've ever met in my entire life prayed fervently. That's part of what made them hypocrites. Uh, I, I met a man one time who, uh, as he was cheating on his wife, he would pray with his mistress to try and justify the relationship. Prayer isn't proof of your devotion. Jesus is so much smarter than this. Jesus says, here's what Jesus says. He says, it's not what you pray, where you pray, or how you pray that matters. The only thing that matters is why you pray. It's not what you pray, where you pray, or how you pray that matters. The only thing that matters is why you pray. So let me ask you the question, do you pray to be close to God, or do you pray to prove your devotion either to yourself or to God or the people around you? That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. The second thing is much shorter. Um, This is the second thing Jesus says that prayer is not. Prayer is not appeasing God. Number two, prayer is not appeasing God. Let me read the next part. This starts in verse seven, what Jesus says. Jesus says, and when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. No, don't be like them, for your father knows what you need even before you ask him. Uh, so many of us struggle with prayer simply because we don't know what to say or how to say the right things. We're, we're afraid, uh, God, what happens if I say the wrong thing or what happens if I forget to say the right thing or I've heard all these amazing people say these incredible things. I can't talk anything like that. But Jesus right here is saying, that's not what prayer is all about. That's not what prayer is all about. The pagans, pa- pagans are just people uh, that don't know God. The pagans, the people who are far from God, they're the ones who think it's all about the magic words. The people who are far from God are the ones who think it's all about the magic words. Uh, when, when, and when Jesus says they think they will be heard, this, uh, the Greek word heard has this connotation of taken more seriously. So the people who don't really know God think they will be taken more seriously by the quality or the quantity of their words, by babbling on. But the reason the pagans think it's all about the words is because they don't know God's heart. The reason the pagans think it's all about the words is because they don't know God's heart and they don't understand God's power. The people who don't know God's heart assume that God doesn't love them, right? When somebody doesn't know God, they assume God doesn't love them. So they think they have to conjure up all these words, all these incredible, crazy, long words to be able to convince God why God should care about them and why God should listen to them. The people who don't really know God, they think God doesn't care about them. Those people, they, they think God doesn't care about them. So they think they have to update God on all the different things going on in their life as if God doesn't already know every single thing that's going on. The, the people that don't know God's power, they don't know that God can do absolutely anything. And so they try and use their words to convince God why he should use his limited power to help them instead of other people or try and convince God why they should care about them when they assume God cares about other people. And Jesus is saying, That's, this is why this is all a misunderstanding. Here's why this is all a misunderstanding. Because God 
adores you with all of his heart. It's all a misunderstanding. You don't have to keep babbling on because God already adores you with all of his heart. God is madly in love with you. Madly in love with you. He knows everything about you. In the best and most loving possible way, God is obsessed with you. Listen, you have, you've never slipped out of God's sight. There's not a fear or a thought or an anxiety or a situation that's happened to your life that God is unaware of. God loves you more than you could ever love yourself or anyone else can ever love you. And God can't wait to hear what's on your heart. Unpolished, unfiltered, raw, the way you would talk to your closest friend, which brings us to something very important. And here's something to write down. This is important. We've got to get this in your head. Whether you pray or not, God adores you with all of his heart. Catch that? Whether you pray or not, God adores you with all of his heart. Prayer is not helping God to love you more. Prayer is not convincing God why he should care about you. Listen, there is, this is beyond prayer. There is nothing that you can do to get God to love you any less. If you went out and you killed a bunch of people, guess what? God would love you with all of his heart. And there's nothing you can do that will make, you, make God love you anymore. He knows what you need even before you ask. He knows you're afraid even before you can put words to the thing that you're afraid of. He knows what you love. He knows what you hate. He knows that your mom drives you crazy. He knows your struggles and your relational issues with him. And he knows how you screwed up. He doesn't need the list of your sins. God doesn't need you to update uh, you to update him on what's going on. He doesn't need you to suck up to him. No matter what you do, whether you pray or not, God will never stop adoring you and longing for you. And every time you go to him in prayer, your heavenly father, your heavenly father, is just so thrilled that his child wants to talk to him. He's just so thrilled that his precious child, no no matter how far we feel like we are, he's so thrilled that you want to talk to him. Which brings us to to a very interesting question and a common question. If God already knows everything about me and he loves me even if I don't pray, then what on earth is the point of prayer? (laughs) If God already knows everything about me, and even if I never prayed again, God would still love me with all of his heart, then what is the purpose of prayer? And that brings us to our third and final point. Prayer is for you to rest in God's grace and in his control. I'll say that again. Prayer is for you to rest in God's grace and in his control. Listen, prayer is not for God. God is not so shallow that he needs millions and millions of people to tell him how great he is so he can feel better about himself that day. That's not what God is like. God is not so blind that he needs millions and millions of people to tell him all the things that are going on in all the different countries so that he's updated on current events. Honestly, seriously, hear me out on this one. This is a big one. God is not so petty that he needs you to give him a list of all the ways that you've screwed up that day and how bad you feel about it so that he will forgive you. God is not like that. Prayer isn't for God. Prayer is for 
you. Look at what Jesus says next. What Jesus says next is perhaps the most um, quoted and studied passage in the Bible. We don't have uh, all the time to get into everything, but I want to get the big picture of what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. He says, our father in heaven, God, God, my father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy, you are holy, God. Would your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? God, in my life, would you let your will happen here? God, I trust that you, you are holy, you understand, you're sovereign. Would you let your will be done in my life? Give us today our daily bread. God, I don't know what I need. God, I don't even know what I need. Would you give me anything that I need? And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. God, forgive me for my sin but help your love to consume me so deeply that I can forgive and love other people in the same way that you've loved me. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, I'm really struggling. I struggle with this constantly and over and over and over again. God, lead me not from temptation, but deliver me from evil. And honestly, God, remind me that even if I never get my act together, your grace is always more. Notice that. The first half of this prayer, the first few things is, is uh, reminding yourself of who God is. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. In the second half of the prayer is us bringing our weaknesses, our needs, and our failures before God in light of who he is. You see what Jesus is teaching us to do. You see what he's teaching us to do. Uh, Jesus is teaching us to take our needs, our decisions, our failures, our fears, and our weaknesses and bring them before God's grace, to bring them before God's power and to bring them before God's sovereignty. Prayer isn't for God, prayer is for you. Prayer is for you. Here's what this might sound like. Here's what this might sound like. Father God, I, I, I am terrified of this next semester. God, I, I don't know if I'm making the right decision or the wrong decision or what I should be doing. God, I don't know if I'm in the right career or the right path. And, and honestly, God, I'm facing a fork in the road right now. And I don't know to go left or to go right. And so I, I'm asking you, so I'm just going to pick right. But God, I trust that you are in control of all things. I trust that as I long for you, you are guiding my step. Father, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. God, you already know I'm addicted to pornography. God, you already know I I struggle sexually every day. And I can't get over it. And I feel so crappy about it. And I feel unworthy to be your child, God. And I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and there's nothing that I can do to get over these addictions. That's what this might sound like. But God, let me trust in your grace. Let me trust that even if I never get over this, God, that your grace is always more because what Jesus Christ has done Jesus, let let me remember that you don't love me based on my ability to be moral or to be good, but Jesus, that you love me just because you love me. 
And God, my addictions and my sins and my struggles, that doesn't make you want to talk to me any less. In fact, you're so glad I'm here. God, let me believe that and lead me far from temptation and deliver me from evil. Might sound like this. God, why are you allowing this pain to happen to me? Why are you allowing that? God, why did you take my parents away from me? Why did you do that? That sucked. God, God why, why did you allow my whole path, my whole life to fall apart? Why did you do that? God, there is injustice. And there is injustice in the world and in our neighborhood and in my street. God, why do you allow that to happen? What on earth are you doing? You make me mad. I'm full of questions. I'm full of doubts. And God, I'm really struggling to believe that you are who you say you are. But even if I can't feel it, I know you're good. Even if I can't feel it, I know you love me. God, even if my heart's not there, I know what you've done. And Lord, would you help me trust that you are in control? My Father who's in heaven, holy is your name. Will your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Prayer is for you. Prayer is for you to rest in God's grace and in God's control, to take any fear, any question, any thought, any failure, and to bring it before God and allow God's reality to transform our lives. I, I love the imagery in Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 16, this is what it says in Hebrews chapter four. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Imagine that, imagine that with me. God sits on a throne of grace, a throne for a king representing authority and sovereignty and power and control and the ability to alter anything in all of reality. God sits on that throne. He can do anything. But he sits on a throne of grace. A throne of grace. A throne where all my failures are washed away. When I approach that throne, I know that on that throne, I'm not seen by my weakness I'm not seen by my fears. I'm not seen by my insecurity. I'm not seen by my addiction and my deepest, darkest failures. But because of Jesus Christ, I'm seen by what Jesus has done for me. God sits on a throne, but a throne of grace with love, compassion, empathy, understanding, mercy, and patience. And in our time of need, which is always, <laughs> and in our time of need, let us come before God's throne of grace with confidence, not confidence in yourself, but confidence in him. Confidence that no matter how deeply we screw up and no matter how bad we're struggling, that he loves us with everything and can do something about it. That's what prayer is. That's what prayer is. So I have a challenge for this week. I have a challenge for you this week. What if this week we approach prayer differently. What if we reapproach prayer this week? For those of us who have tried praying, tried talking to God, but it doesn't feel like anything's happening, it feels like God's far away, 
Here's my challenge. What if we tried it a different way? What if we picked it back up? For those of us who have never tried praying, have never tried even having time with God, what if we picked it up this week? What if every day this week, we, maybe you set an alarm on your phone. I, I know I need alarms for just a couple minutes. I'm talking five to 10 minutes, nothing crazy at all. But what if every day this week, what if we prayed to God differently? Here's how we pray to God differently. What if we prayed to God with no agenda? With no agenda. What if we prayed to God with no agenda? What if our goal in talking to God wasn't to get anything out of it? Can I give you a little secret about your relationship with God? When you pray and when you read the Bible, you don't need to feel something. It's okay. What if we prayed not to get something out of it, but just in the hope and just the hope that I could be closer to God through this time. You might start your prayer by saying, God, um, I don't really know how to do this. To be honest, I, I don't know as much about you as I feel like I should know. And I don't really know how to talk to you, but God, would you meet me here? Because I just want to be close to you. I don't care about religion. I don't care what people think. I, don't, I just want to be close to you. What if we prayed to God with no agenda and with no special words? What if we prayed to God with no special words? What if you talk to God instead of this almighty religious historical God? What if you talk to God like you would talk to the most trusted person in your life? And some of you don't, maybe don't have a trusted person. What if you became that? Which means this, if you use certain words when you're talking to your friends, use those words with God. You're not going to shock God with your vocabulary. He listens to you all the time. He loves you. Um, if you talk to certain things with your friends or you think about certain things or there, there's sin in your life or, or things that you never want to talk about, guess what? God already knows about those things. So you can talk to him freely, feel the relief, the burden lifted. What if you talk to God casually and as if he cared about you and he wanted to talk to you? Which brings me to the last one. No agenda, no special words. What if we prayed to God this week with confidence? With confidence. Not confidence in yourself, but confidence in the love of our Father. Every single person in this room he wants to talk to. Every single person. Every single person in this room, God would be thrilled. There's a story in the Bible where um, it's a metaphor where God's son runs away and comes back after he's screwed up in every single way. Do you know how the father embraced the son? With arms wide open. He hugged him. What if you approached God, what if you talked to God confident in his love for you? and his ability to do something about your life. That's the challenge this week. That's the challenge. And if you don't have a relationship with God, listen to me. You can talk to him at any time. He wants you so bad. If you need to talk to me, um, if you need to talk to Brad or Lynette or Ian or Brian or Zach or anyone here, we would love to talk to you, please let us know. That's why we're here. I'll get coffee with any of you. It'll be a blast. Let me pray for us. Jesus, would you meet us here? God, the way we are right now, 
Holy Spirit, would you, would you help us to not be afraid to come to you, but instead to talk to you openly and freely? Would you redefine how we understand your heart and then how we talk to you, Lord? God, some of us in this room need to make a decision that we're just going to try it this week. We're going to try and talk to you every day. Um, God, would you help them do that? And, and Jesus, we know um, that anyone who's seeking, you'll meet them right there. Jesus, teach us. Show us your heart. In your name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to The Collective Podcast. If you have any questions about anything that we talked about today, or you just want to reach out for help or advice or someone to talk to, we always want to make ourselves available to you. One of the best ways is to send us a direct message to GCM underscore collective or to send us an email to collective at graceohio.org. As always, you are invited to collective every Thursday night at seven o'clock at Grace Church Bath Campus. Hope to see you soon. Bye.